Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I'm so glad you're here today. What a great day to be in church. I love baby dedications. Today at 3 p.m. we are doing baptisms at Pirate's Cove. Last time we did it, we had about five, 600 people show up. We had about 100 people get baptized just under that. And today we believe in it's going to be even greater. So change your plans if you have to. But man, 3 p.m., Pirate's Cove. This will be the last, I believe, the last water baptism at Pirate's Cove until Baptized California, which will be May 28th. So this is a great day to get baptized or rebaptized if you did it as a kid. And I'm excited about it. Amen. Hey, before I get started today, I just want to honor my amazing wife. Uh, 17 years, she, I asked, we have some flowers we're going to give you real fast, babe. I love you so much. Thank you for being the most incredible mom, incredible wife. The Bible says that houses and inheritance are from natural fathers, but a godly wife is from the Lord. And God has given me the greatest gift that anyone's ever given me in you. So I love you more today than I married you 17 years ago. So I love you, and I uh, wanted to do that. Why don't you, after the service, because I think one of the responsibilities of pastors is to give a good example to the church of how to love your wife well, love your kids well. I'm certainly not saying I'm perfect, but I'm like, you know what I want to do? I want to model. I told Rochelle this. I'm like, I feel like in life you can't control a lot of things. Sometimes you can't control you know, where your kids are at, what your kids are thinking. You can't control what's happening in your business, in politics. And there's a lot of things outside of your control, but I felt like the one thing God told me as we are on our anniversary trip that we always have control over is how well we love our spouse. You can control that. And I'm like, I want to make sure I steward that part of my life well. Because what good is it, man, to have everything else but have a trashy marriage? Come on, I want to have a dynamic marriage. My gosh. I mean, Rochelle can't keep her hands off. Come on, it's just amazing. Praise God. I'm just kidding. Seriously, though. Uh... So good to have you with us today. If you're brand new to Oceans Church, I'm so glad you're here. We're going to open up the Bible right now every week. Uh, one of the reasons why the church keeps growing and we keep adding tents and adding chairs is because people are so thirsty to hear God's voice. I believe that God's predominant way he speaks is through his word. And it's not just somebody tr- teaching, the, teaching the Bible intellectually and academically, which is great. We certainly do that. But I think that the Bible is more than an academic literature. I believe the Bible was written to be an experience book. It's the only book ever written in humanity that's intended to be read with the author. It's the only book that can be encountered. You can encounter the author every time you read it. And so today we're going to open up the B-I-B-L-E, the book for you and for. That's a Sunday school song. This is not a cult. Some of you got scared. You're like, what's going on here? These people don't know these songs. Father Abraham had many. See, it's not a cult. I promise. Just Sunday school. Just Sunday school. Some of us were raised in Sunday school. So, um... Here's what we're going to do today is we're going to open up to Mark chapter 12. Scholars unanimously agree this is the greatest name book in the Bible. It's a tough crowd today, man. It's going to be a long one. Uh, But I'm so glad you're here. Uh, We are going to open the Bible, and I'm going to read a few verses today. This is a very, very familiar passage in the Bible. People say, Mark, uh, what's your goal today? What's the thesis? If maybe you're new to church, why should I pay attention? And let me give you two reasons why. Number one, there's going to be miracles that happen in about 30 minutes. Uh, God told me last night very, very clearly there's some of you that had epilepsy that God is going to heal today, and you're not going to have a seizure the rest of your life. That would be one good reason I would pay attention. Another reason I would tell you is that there's someone in here, you have tremors, your hand shakes. 
It's been shaking for some time now, and God is going to heal you of your tremors today. Someone with Tourette's, you have a nervous twitch, and God is going to heal that today. Uh, God said there was a mass, a tumor that would dissolve in this church service. So I'm just, I'm just telling you how I heard it, and uh, I'm going to put the ball in God's court. But I know this, that if we hear clearly and we love deeply, that God shows up powerfully. I would love to repeat that, but I don't remember it. Come on, somebody. Are you ready to go today? Uh, we're going to actually open the Bible. I'm going to read a few verses. And again, this is a uh, series we're in right now is on why should human beings be excited to celebrate God? We call in the Christian world celebration to God. We call it worship. Why do we sing? We, we don't sing because we just love Christian karaoke. Come on. We don't sing because we all have great voices. About 90% of us do not. The reason why we celebrate and the reason why we sing is uh, what we're going to talk about today. We talked a little bit about it last week. If you missed last Sunday, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to it. We basically talked about how the first part of the service is music and the second part of the service is the message. And immature Christians think, I just want to be there for the good part, the message. The problem is, is the message is for men and women, but the music is for God. And why would we come to church just for us when the church is about meeting with God? Worship is powerful. Can I get a witness today? There is something even about music itself. Scientists have proven that dopamine is released in our brains as we begin to sing. There is something in music that is powerful. I would say there's something in music that leads us to places. Music is actually a vehicle. That's why you listen to heavy metal, you listen to stuff, it makes you just like get fired up and hyped up, and you want to lift more weight than your muscles can handle. It's a vehicle. You listen to country, you start losing stuff, right? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, that's a joke, it's a joke. I love Connor, Connor, if you're watching, I love you. Um, listen, uh, I, I, love, I love all types of music, right? But listen, there is something about using music to extol God that actually puts life in its rightful place. Today... I want to talk to you a little bit. The Bible says in Peter, 1 Peter 3.15, that we should always be ready to give a reason. Always. So when your coworker goes, what, do you sing at church? Are you a singer? Do you sing in your car? Do you like that Christian music stuff? Do you like to clap? Do you clap? Are you one of those shouters? You one of those charismaniacs? You one of those, are you part of one of those like spirit-filled churches? When your friends and they ask you, why do you have such enthusiasm to celebrate with God? I want, to, I want you to be able to give an articulate definition of why we celebrate God. Is that all right? So that's kind of my premise this morning is why do we celebrate? I do believe that miracles happen as we praise. I believe that, that things shift as we begin to worship. I actually would say that one of our greatest weapons is our ability to sing to God, pray to God, clap to God, shout to God. I don't know all the... Uh, I don't know all the uh, the attributes of it, but there is a secular cycle that happens that I'm going to talk about today of when we discover God, when we experience how big God is, when we experience his glory, we begin to worship and praise. And when we do that, we have the ability to obey God's voice. And when we do that, the cycle begins over again. You guys ready to go? So I'm going to read a passage out of Mark 12. It's very, very famous. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard this preached about seven to 800 times. It's like donating clothes to a nudist colony. Come on. It's not easy to do at church. Are you hearing me today? It's a tough crowd. It's a tough crowd. It's just a joke. Just a joke. Uh, but today, I'm going to read uh, Matthew, or Mark, excuse me, Mark chapter uh, 12. If you could turn there with me. See, I'm there. 
And I'm going to read a familiar passage. This is basically God breaks down the two most important things we're supposed to do in life. Two most important things. You guys ready? Yeah. I'm going to talk about worship today. If you're taking notes, my title is With All. Yes. With All. Say it with me. With yes. All. I think that love requires us uh, to, to love with all. And so uh, you ready to go? All right. So let's read these verses together. It says in, in Mark chapter 12, verse 28, one of the scribes came to Jesus, highly educated individual, and heard, heard him reasoning together, perceiving that he answered him well, asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus cites a very, very famous, if you're an Orthodox Jew, Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4, and 5. It's called the Shema. Shema, if you're Jewish, is how they pronounce it. Uh, we would pronounce it Shema. And it's basically a prayer that, that, that Jews would pray every single day. It was a prayer of remembrance. It was a prayer to remind us who God is and who we are and who we're to be. So notice what Jesus does. First thing I want to just say out of the gate is Jesus didn't come to get rid of the Old Testament. Because Jesus cites the Old Testament many, many times. He refers to the, New, the Old Testament many, many times. And one of the problems with modern-day westernized churches is we think that it's only about the New Testament, and God is completely just, just disappointed with the Old Testament. But what you will find as you begin to study the Bible from cover to cover is the first books of the Bible actually reveal the last books of the Bible. That what's in the Old Testament is also in the New Testament. So notice Jesus doesn't abolish the law. He fulfills it. You guys ready to go today? All right, so let's read this together. It says in verse, uh, verse, verse 29, he says, Jesus, all right, I'll answer it for you. The first of all the commandments is this, hear. That's what Shema means, hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love, you shall love, you shall love. This is a big deal. Because before Deuteronomy chapter 6, we are told to fear God, to be in awe of God, to be in wonder of God, but we are never instructed to love. I believe that fear, awe, and wonder should lead us into love. Are you hearing me today? Most Christians, they have an awe of God, a fear of God, a wonder of God, but they never graduate to a love. God wants us to love. Love the Lord your God, he says, with all, with all, with That's where I got my title today. Come on, say it again. With with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is very similar. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe answered and said, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, and there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your soul, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as yourself is more than, all, than, than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw his answer was wise, he said to him, you are not very far from the kingdom of God. I think that we're always close to God's kingdom when we approach the truth with honesty. And I want to encourage you today, if you're an atheist, or you're agnostic, or you don't believe what we believe, I would tell you that you're always close to the kingdom when you approach God's truth with an honest heart. Does that make sense? It's very, very important today. God wants to encounter everyone in these tents. Are you ready to go? Let's pray today. Uh, Lord, we just love you. We're so grateful for the babies that were dedicated. We're so grateful for, Lord, the scores of people that are going to be baptized today. And we're inviting you, Lord, right now. I know that many of us know how to sing. We know how to clap. We know how to sing on key or, or, or kind of on key. 
But I pray today, Lord, that you would, you would give us an explanation. I thank you that we'd be ready to tell our friends and our family why we are so excited to celebrate God. I ask you today that you would come deeper into our minds, come deeper into our hearts, and God, allow us to love you with all of our actions and our efforts and our strength. We love you today. We honor you, Holy Spirit. I pray this would be a historic Sunday for our church and launch us into a brand new season of momentum and miracles. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everybody said a hearty amen. That was not a good amen. Come on, everyone said amen. All right. We're here today. Let's get after it. Amen. I, uh, I'm excited. I was thinking about uh, love. Love is a kind of a mystical word. Uh, Webster's defines love as an emotion. It's just an emotion. It's a feeling. It's, a, it's an attribute. It's something that we sense, we experience. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the difference between modern love from Hebrew ancient antiquity love. But I'll say this. Love will make you do crazy stuff. Anyone that's ever fallen in love will tell you. Love makes you crazy. I remember one time I, I was so in love with her. I drove back from California. It was like 16 hours in the car. I drove through the night. I was awake for like 36 hours straight. I, I, I drove into town and my house was like 40 minutes before her house. And I was so in love with Rochelle that I literally went to a 24-hour Walmart, bought roses at 5 in the morning after driving 16 hours, drove an extra hour and a half to her house to deliver a rose on her car, leave a note, drive back to my house, and get two hours of sleep before church started. Love, are you hearing me today? Makes you do crazy stuff. I remember I started getting all poetic when I fell in love. What's wrong with you, dude? What happened to you? Where did Mark go? Crazy stuff. I remember I bought a full-size teddy bear. It's a six-foot-eight teddy bear. Brought it into Applebee's for Rochelle's birthday party. I wasn't even invited to the party. She hardly knew my name. She's about to file a restraining order. Are you hearing me today? Love, love, love makes you do, love's wild. Like, guys, we fall in love with, with doing stuff. Right? Like, guys, we either like to do nothing or we like to do something. Who would say amen to that? You're either in something mode or nothing mode. There is nothing in between. You're either sitting on the couch thinking about nothing, doing nothing, watching the game, or you're doing something. This guy's, this guy's brilliant. No, I'm telling you. That's what we do. Like, like, guys, we fall in love. We fall in love with a hobby. Like, I know guys that will wake up at, like, 3 in the morning to drive two hours to a fishing spot and get in a boat and take two hours to get to the destination, will suffer 30-foot waves, and just for the possibility of maybe catching a 200-pound fish. But they love it. They love, I've been on a, some of these fishing trips. I'm like, guys, we would never spend 12 hours together talking about nothing, but because of our great love for fishing, we will literally stare into each other's eyes for 12 hours in a boat, get seasick to catch fish because of the love of fishing. We'll talk about it all week. We'll think about it all week. When we get there, we'll actually, man, we'll give our energy, our time, our money. It's like, I'm in. I have friends that, man, they love to hunt. That's, that's love. They will put camouflage clothes on. They will pick their buddy up. They will sit in a blind for 12 hours. They will, they will, they will perfume each other with deer pee. Come on. They will paint their face with Rambo paint. I'm like, guys would never do this, but they love hunting. 
So they would do things they would never do. Women will go to a mall. My wife has x-ray vision in stores. She just goes like the Terminator. She's like the T-1000. Going through that store, she finds the most expensive item in the store first try. It's a gift. It's great. Women, my kids, they, they don't like to walk. I'll take my dog on a walk, take my girls with me. We get 100 feet from my house. They're talking about, I'm so thirsty, I'm tired. I need to take a break. I take them to an amusement park. My, my seven-year-old walks 78 miles. She doesn't need water, food. She'll just go all day. She's, she is fine. It's a small world. No, she's going all day. Like, no complaints. She's in love. Love will change what you think about. Love will change what you talk about. And love will change what you put your energy into. Can I get a witness in the church? I have a friend. My friend Reed is an amazing cook. Read, read maybe these blueberry ribs. I, I don't even know what, what blueberries and ribs are doing together. I didn't know they were friends. But he made this dish for me. And I remember I went to his house for dinner, and, he, and, and Shelly said, Reed woke up at 4 in the morning before he went to work just to get this meal ready for tonight. I'm like, man, that's a love for cooking that I don't have. Like, like, my wife's smoke alarm for cooking is, like, the smoke alarm is, is her uh, cooking timer. Come on. The fire alarms start going off. It's like, man, it's, meal's done. I don't have that love for cooking. Say it with me. You think about it. You talk about it. You give effort to it. Say it again. You think about it. You talk about it. You give effort to it. I was praying this week, very, very simple message for you today. My thesis is this, is that I believe that to know God is to love God. That you can't love what you don't know. Can I get an amen from the back? You know why some of you don't know God or don't love God? Because you've never met God. Some of you have an idea, a picture of God that is not accurate. Therefore, you don't love him because you've never known him officially. I actually believe that to know God is to love God. And I would pray today that anyone that has never loved God with your heart, that today would be the day that you would pray the prayer, God, let me know you so that I can love you. I love this story. It's very powerful, and, and, he, and he talks about the greatest commandments in life, and he basically boils it down to these couple simple ideas. He just says this. He's like, look, 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 look. If we want to love, if you want to love, if you want to think, you want to suppose, you want to praise, you want to extol, you want to magnify, you want to celebrate anything. Yeah. Greatest things that we celebrate is we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, mind, and all of our strength. You guys ready to go today? Here's my, here's, here's, I thought like the Lord put this on my heart to share with you today. Is the first thing that we do, if we're going to be a people that know how to worship God, is we have to be willing to give God our minds. I need a good amen in the back. The, the weakness sometimes in spirit-filled churches, if I'm being very honest, is oftentimes we, we, we chalk up our relationship with God as just a blind faith. Like, like, I don't know, there's no explanation, there's no need to think about anything. We're just going to have a blind faith. And I love the fact that Jesus defines loving God. If you really want to love him, you got to be willing to actually give God your mind. Here's what, here's another way of saying it. I think that the word heart in the ancient world isn't translated. It wasn't until the Hellenists came that they actually changed the understanding of heart in the ancient world. In the Hebrew narrative, the word heart meant your, it meant your mind to love the Lord with all your heart actually meant your brain 
immense your intellect. It was the seat of intelligence. It was the conscious thought. It was the memory. It's where actions are contemplated and decisions are made. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to love you the parts of your mind that actions are contemplated and decisions are made. That's why he says, I'm going to write my laws on your. Where's your heart? It's where your actions are contemplated and your decisions are made. Do you know what the biggest problem is at times when God isn't worshipped in our lives? It's because he's in none of our thoughts. I'll tell you right now very openly. It says this, as a man thinks in his what? So he becomes. Do you know if you think about nothing, you become? Yeah, I don't want to become nothing. I want to become something. Do you know that you will become what you think about? And that's why many of you stay in bondage your whole life because you think more about the abuser than you do the healer. If you obsess over what was wrong and not over what was right, not who hurt you, but who can heal you. As a man thinks in his heart, if you live with a victim mentality the rest of your days, you will be perpetually in bondage because as you think, you become. Well, I'm in bondage. They hurt me. They did this to me. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying this. You have to think about who heals you, not who hurts you, who frees you, not who in bondage you. Are you hearing me today? As a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. It says in Proverbs 14:1, the fool has said in his, in his what? There is no God. What does it mean? It means this. He said in his thoughts, there is no God. And it, says, it goes on. It says in Proverbs, uh, actually Psalms 10, 4, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. Notice what it says. God is in none of his thoughts. Do you know what? I, I think we're, we're things begin to change in our life when we invite God into our thoughts. I'll be honest with you. I can't promise that you'll have the best year financially, maybe the best year with uh, maybe bonuses and whatever and trips and maybe the best year of your kid's life. Here's what I can promise. This can still be the best year of your life. How do you know that? Because if you will be close to God this year, regardless of what happens around you, you can still thrive spiritually. John said, I pray, beloved, that you would prosper in all things and be in health, even as your, your soul, your heart, your mind, your will. If your faith prospers, your life prospers. Some of you have achieved everything monetarily, but you're empty on the inside. Because you can be full monetarily and bankrupt spiritually. Or you can be bankrupt naturally and be full spiritually. What I would tell you is, is spiritually full people end up blessed long term. Good preaching, preacher. Amen. I want God to be in my thoughts. You can't love something without thinking about it. Have you noticed that? I'm telling you, you fall in love with somebody, all you do is think about them. Man, how can I surprise them? How can I encourage them? How can I, man, I want to just make them happy. I want to make them, oh, I want to make them, I want to make them smile. How do I do this? When you fall in love, that person comes into your thoughts. When it gets into your thoughts, it goes on, he says, with all your soul. Soul actually is the Hebrew word nefesh, and it means the breath of life, the self, the deepest, inmost thoughts, the very, very much part of you. The conscious effort and thought, it's the deep part. Not the shallow end of your mind. It's the deep part of your mind. You know where God wants to be? He wants to be in the shallow and the deep end of your mind. He wants you to desire him because, listen, what you think about, you become. And this is so important here today. He says, I want you to love me with all of your, all of your mind, your thoughts, in the shallow part and in the deep part, and give me all of your strength. Say with me, strength. This is so important here today.
Most people, they never discover God in worship because they never know God. You know, Daniel 11 says, 11 verse 32 says, those that know, know their God will be strong and they will do great exploits. Those that know will be strong and do great exploits. Help me out, church. Those that know their God will be and do great So knowing leads to strength, which leads to exploits. I would say that the the absence of exploits is the absence of strength. And the absence of strength is because of the absence of God knowledge. Knowledge is lacking because God is in none of our thoughts. How do we invite God back into our mind, into our deep places, into our strength? The Bible says strength. The word strength is your effort. It's your energy. If you fall in love with snowboarding, you will wake up earlier. You will sacrifice sleep. You'll drive six hours to Mammoth. You'll you'll go all day on your day off, and you'll start your work week more exhausted than you would have if you would have stayed home doing nothing. You know why you sacrifice to something? Because you love that more than you love the thing you were willing to sacrifice. You know what sacrifice is? It's giving up something you love for something you love even more. Do you know why you worship even if you don't like singing? Because you love God more than you disdain singing. You give up something you love for something you love even more. I like having money in my own checking account. But when God tells me to give, I give up what I like for something I love even more. Are you hearing me today? I like to do nothing on my day off, but I'm going to serve in the church. Why? Because I'm going to give up what I like for something I love even more. This is where we give God our minds, our heart, our strength, our soul. Amen? Amen. People say, Mark, why do you worship? Why would you be excited about extolling God? Well, I'll give you a few reasons, and this is what you can tell your coworkers as they ask you. We give, we give God our highest adoration, our celebration, and our praise because, number one, we remember the size of God. Scientists say that the world, the, the universe, excuse me, is expanding right now at the speed of light. They say right now, as we speak, I can't remember the speed of light. It's like 180,000 miles an hour or something like that. 86,000 miles. Who's keeping track? Come on. Thanks, Ron. (sighs) Wow. But it's expanding right now. Speed of light. So it kind of makes sense that uh, scientists say it's expanding at the speed of light because the Bible says, in the beginning, God said, let there be. And he never told the light to stop. You know what's cool about science? Science is not at odds with faith. I want to paint this picture. For some of you who are engineers and scientists, you know what I'm talking about. But I want you to know that if I could get this iPad, I have no idea how this iPad works. I don't know how it grabs Wi-Fi. I don't know how it sends signals. I don't know how there's bits inside of it that somehow compute numbers and letters, and it has all these features and apps. I have zero idea. If I went back in a time machine, I would tell them about an iPad. I'd have no way to recreate it. Here's what I know, though. If you were an engineer and you built this technology, you know what I'd know? If you were able to take it all the way down to its, its pieces and tell me that's what the processor does, that's what the, the, computer, the computing mechanism does, that's what the screen does, that's what the keyboard does, listen to me, if you were able to take it apart and define the function of it, that does not, that does not disprove that someone created it. That does not disprove that someone created the iPad. If anything, your knowledge of how it works makes me respect the creator even more. 
That's exactly what science does. When they say, the universe is expanding at the speed of light right now, I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's how the creator made the universe. And it's always fun when science catches up to God. Isn't it? Today, I want to tell you that I love God because scientists say that, yes, we are expanding out here at the speed of light, but they're also telling us that they find life in every cell. It's equally as, as small as it is big. That they're seeing microcells and little tiny cells inside of the cells. And they say every time they get a better microscope, the, they see something smaller in the small. Wow. That Think about this. God is equally as vested into the largeness of creation as he into the small, smallness of it. That he knows the heavens and the earth, but he also knows the amount of hairs that are on your head. You know why I love to worship God? Because I remember how big he is. You get to the base of, man, Mount Whitney or something, and you look up, and you're like, my gosh, that's huge. It makes you go, oh, wow. You experience something that's, like, amazing. It just drops your jaw. You're like, whoa. You know what size does when you see something magnificent? It makes you want to wonder in awe, worship. Wow. Has there, someone ever done something so nice for you? You're just like, wow. That is crazy that you would do that for us. That's awe, that's wonder, that's size, scope. Are you still with me today? You can come up on the keys, I'm almost finished. I believe that we're supposed to love God and worship God because of his size and also because of his strength. Psalms 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their Do you know why we love to sing to God? When your friends ask you, why are you passionate about singing, about honoring, about praying? Because strength is manufactured in the presence of God. Some of you have little strength today because you have little knowledge of God. Where God's knowledge grows strong, so strength becomes prevalent. Many of you lack strength because you lack God knowledge. God wants to be worshipped not just in power, signs, and wonders, but he wants you to be known in your mind, in your thoughts. I think that God is excited about his sons and his daughters when we say, God, I'll give you my worship because you're so stinking big. And you're so stinking small. And I'll also give you my awe. It says in Ephesians 1 that he fills all and is in all. Think about a God that's big enough to fill everything and be in everything. That's a big God. Full of said in his heart, there is no God. The wicked has God and none of his thoughts. But I'll tell you that when you give God permission to show himself to you, he'll start to be in all of your thoughts. I'll be honest, some of you don't have good marriages because God is in none of the thoughts about your marriage. Some of you have bad businesses because God is in none of the thoughts of your businesses. Some of you, you make a living off of dishonest gain. I, I, I heard this last night. I forgot to share it last service. And God has given you a loving invitation saying, now's the time, like Zacchaeus, to straighten out the crooked practices of your life. Zacchaeus spent one moment with Jesus and he said, I will repay everybody that I ripped off. And I heard the Lord say, some of you maybe made a lot of money off of dishonest practices. And I felt honest, I'm just being honest, I felt the love of God, but I also felt the fear of God. And now is the time to live honest, to live right, to love justice, to keep mercy, and to honor God. Are you hearing me today? Can I get an amen from the back? That was for somebody in here. We worship God because of his size, because of his strength. How about this? We, I love to worship God because he understands who I am. He sympathizes. Hebrews 4 says we have a great high priest who is actually able to sympathize 
with our weaknesses because he was tempted in all ways as we are, yet he was without sin. Do you know why you should sing to God on a Sunday? Do you know why you should get in your car, download As We Praise? Download Wonders. Download Ocean's Music. Why would I put music on that glorifies God? Let me tell you why. Because a uh, big, big, big reason why is that when you fall short, God understands your frame. He understands that we all make mistakes. He, it says he sympathizes. It says in Psalms that he remembers that we're just dust. That he separates our mistakes as far as the east is from the west. Which, by the way, if he said north to south, we'd be in trouble. Because if you go north long enough on the earth, you'll eventually be going south. And if you go south on the globe long enough, you'll be eventually going north. Unless you're a flat earther. Come on. <clears throat> That's another message. But if you go east, you will never go west. If you go west, you will never go east. East and west never intersect. Are you hearing me today? God sympathizes. Man, I stunk this week. I, I, I blew it this week. But I worship you because you understand my weakness and you still love me. You can write this in your notes. That he knows you the best and he loves you the most. He knows you the best. More than your spouse knows you. More than your mama knows you. More than you know yourself. But he still loves you more than anybody else. In my estimation, that should incite some praise. I don't know, man. If I knew me the best, love, I don't know if I'd love me the most. That's a wild thought. So he sympathizes. He has strength. God's great size, great strength, great sympathy. How about this? I love to worship because of the great sacrifice. Do you know that 2,000 years ago, God treated his son the way that we deserve to be treated? Do you know that he didn't sin? He died for sin that wasn't his. Jesus was the only one that ever lived that was both the offering and the offerer. And he died in our place. One of the reasons I think that the church should erupt in praise is greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. I told you two weeks ago that there's a revelatory knowledge of lordship, of servantship, bad, bad English, but good theology. Come on. Servantship, sonship, friendship. That we will never get to friendship until we discover lordship. And if he is Lord, we can be his servants. If we can be his servants, we can be his sons. If we can be his kids, we can be his friends. And guess who Jesus died for? His friends. And I love to worship God because he is a God that died to be my friend. Sacrifice. How about this? His sovereignty. Do you know that God rules and reigns the heavens and the earth? The Bible says that he holds the universe in the span of his hands. From his pinky to his thumb. The heavens in the span of his hands. We think the guy gets stressed out of who's in the White House. That he's somehow intimidated by wicked governors in California. I want to remind you that he sits on his throne and he laughs. He laughs at those that try to do what's wicked in our land. His, he knows that the plans of the wicked will surely come to nothing. He is the God that in wrath remembers mercy. He is the God that where sin abounds, he causes his grace to abound even more. And that's why we worship him. Because Romans 8, 28 says he causes all things to work together for good. He'll leverage Haman. He'll cause the Hamans of the world to hang on their own gallows. He'll save nations. He, are you hearing me today? He heals lands. So I worship a God that is sovereign. You think that the enemy's going to get the last laugh? You're fooling yourself. 
God sees the clowns of this world. God gets the last laugh. God knows what he's doing. God will cause all things. Are you hearing me today? God is, God is a God that is rich in mercy, desiring all to be saved. Having, having mercy on generations. Man, I feel something here. Stand to your feet. I feel something here. You know why we're going to love him with all we have? Because he has great strength. You know why we're going to love him with all that we have? Because he has great size. Do you know why we're going to love him with all we have? Because he has great, great, great sympathy. Sovereignty. And he gave us a great sacrifice. Listen, the flagship verse that made us move here was Habakkuk 2, verse 14. For the earth shall be filled with the... Say it with me again. Knowledge Knowledge of what? The glory of the Lord. I want you to catch that phrase. Do you know what? Why we're going to be a worshiping church? Do you know why we're going to write songs in this church that the Big C Church will use as anthems around the world? Because wherever there's a people that have a knowledge of God's glory, there will always be high praise. Knowledge of glory leads to high praise. You can't have low praise with knowledge of glory. I would say the more aware you become of God's majesty, the more incited to worship you become. You see, there is a secular cycle in life, and it goes something like this. Asking God to come in and show himself to you. Knowing him, loving him, experiencing his glory, praising him, worshiping him, and then obeying him. And then the secular cycle starts over again. And you go back to knowing him. You go back to loving him. You go back to experiencing his glory. You go back to praising him. You go back to worshiping him. And you have the faith to obey him. And it starts over again. Over and over and over and over. That's why we will be a worshiping church. People say, Mark, we need America to change. We need the church to change. God has never need the whole nation to turn. He's only needed the church to catch fire. I would remind you, in Rome, even with the most wicked Caesars of old, do you know that they didn't teach prayer in their schools either? They didn't need prayer in their schools. They needed prayer in their churches. We need prayer to come to the church. We need worship to come to the church. We don't need the world to be on fire. We need the church to be on. So we go all in. We go all in today. Come on, if you're here, you want to go all in. Just stand your feet, lift your hands. How many would pray this prayer and say, Lord, I want to know you more so I can love you more? Is there anybody in, or- in Orange County that says, I want to know God more so I can love God more? Who wants God to be in more of your thoughts? Give him a wave offering. I want to think about you this week. I want to think about you with my business. I want to think about you with my marriage. I want to think about you with my kids, you with my neighbors, you with my hobbies. I want to invite you into my thoughts. If that's you all over Oceans Church, pray it like this. Say, Lord, I want to know you more. I invite you into my mind, into my thoughts, into my desires. I invite you in, in Jesus' name. We're going to sing this song. And listen to me, as we sing, God gave me a list of what he was going to heal today. And he can certainly heal more. And by the way, if you see someone getting touched next to you as we praise, as we sing this last song, maybe the lady next to you is crying or the guy behind you is getting touched, never be jealous when God's blessing someone near you because that means that God is in the neighborhood. 
And if he's touching them, it's really easy to be touched. Don't ever be envious of God touching somebody else. Let that incite you to reach into him as well. I have found if God is touching somebody else, I'm going in on that action. God, if you're doing it for them, I'm doing it for me too. And right now, God's going to heal epilepsy. God's healing tumors. He's healing Tourette's. I hear him. He's healing someone that has a severe food allergy, and it clogs your sinuses. Maybe your lips swell and your tongue swells. We had one of our college students pray for a, a person this last two weeks ago, and their gluten allergy is completely gone. They've tested it over and over again. Why would God heal something so trivial? Because if it matters to you, I believe it matters to God. God's going to soften a hard heart today. There's someone that has cancer, and the cancer is going to dissolve in this service. Medically, they're going to verify it because this isn't blind faith. This is knowledgeable faith. I believe that, come on, God gives us knowledge, and God gives us faith. Do you know that faith and wisdom are not antithesis? It says, if anyone lacks faith, let him ask God. Or anyone lacks, excuse me, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. But when he asks, let him ask with so wisdom and faith are not opposed to each other. They work together. I need wisdom, I ask in faith. I need miracles, I ask in faith. I need something natural, I ask in the spiritual. Faith and wisdom. Who wants to walk in faith and wisdom? Would you lift your hands? I thank you for a church that's naturally spiritual, that's spiritually natural, that knows how to call down fire from heaven, but also knows how to walk in wisdom in boardrooms, in classrooms, in courtrooms. I pray in Jesus' name right now, a new wave of wisdom, a new wave of knowledge. Yeah, a new wave of wisdom. Yeah, a new wave of knowledge hitting this church. A new wave of glory and honor and majesty and praise. I pray in Jesus' name to flood these tents, heal bodies now, touch souls now come on let's sing one time one time he's here
you just need to have some faith in a great God. And as we lay hands on those today that need a touch from heaven, I pray for my friend Reed that's not here, along with everybody that is here. I'm praying today that those that even have atrophy in their muscles, those that have lost, Lord, mobility, those that are even recovering from a stroke or an ailment, an accident, those that have tingling in their feeling, uh, in, their, in, their, in their nerve endings, in their fingers, in their face, I pray in Jesus' name. We declare that feeling is returning right now. We declare that masses are being dissolved. We declare, Lord, that cancer is being cured. And we declare that God will get all the glory. So all over oceans today, if you're online, put your hand on your heart. And all over the tents today, pray this prayer. Say in Jesus' name. I need you to get some faith. Come on, say in Jesus' name. We declare that you would heal. Top of their head, soles of their feet. Inside out, outside in. Their brain, their heart, their emotions, their muscles, their organs, their body. In Jesus' name, send your word and heal. We evict darkness, demons, and sickness in Jesus' name. And we release, come on, let's do it. We release the spirit of the living God. Holy Spirit. Fill them, heal them. Fill them, heal them. In Jesus' name. If you receive it, say amen. If you believe it on credit, come on, give them a hand clap right now. Give them a good hand clap right now. Come on, if you saw someone getting healed, give them a hand clap like you believe it's happening right now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence. It's evidence. It's evidence. It's evidence. It's here of what's not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. It's coming, but not yet seen. In Jesus' name. Here's what we do today as we get ready to wrap this up. If you're here, your heart's beginning to accelerate because God is approaching your heart. He's asking if He could come into your life. Maybe you'd say, Mark, well, I, I kind of believe in God, but if we're being honest today, God's not really in any of your thoughts. He's in the distant thoughts. He's not in the deep places. And today I just felt like a very simple message. I know this wasn't rocket science this morning, but I felt like the Lord just wanted to invite everyone in this tent and everybody that's online to be the God that fills your thoughts, to be the God that moves into the deep places of your heart and the God that actually gets a hold of the actions of your life. Those that know God will be strong. Those that know God will do great exploits. And I'm telling you, we're going to be a church that has a knowledge of God's glory. And we're going to be a worshiping people. We're going to be an extravagant worshiping people. I encourage you to come next week. I'm talking about extravagant worship. There was a woman that gave everything that she had because she was extravagant. I believe the greater the knowledge of God, the more extravagant your revelation of worship will be. And I pray today, all over the tents, for, for Lord, a, a new opening up. If you're here and you say, Mark, God's not been in my mind. He's not been in my heart. I have not been living my life intentionally with God and for Him. But today, as God lives, I'm inviting Jesus into my life. I'm going to ask Him to lead me, to be in my thoughts, and I want to love Him from this day forward. I want to live with Him from this day forward. Whether you walked away from God and today you're coming back, or whether you've really never known Him in a personal way, this is your moment to rededicate and for the first time put your faith in God all over the tents and online online you're going to write heart h-e-a-r-t there's about four to six people every sunday 
online, sometimes as many as 10, that give their lives to God online. And there's probably going to be somewhere between 15 and 30 people in the tents that raise their hands. So all over the room, this doesn't, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hands or right heart. If you want to invite God into your mind, into your heart, and to give God your strength. If you want to live for Him from this moment on, doesn't make you perfect. It means that you want to follow the perfect one. All over the tents today and online, I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. This is a holy moment. You say, Mark, I'm getting right with God today. I'm coming back to God today. Or for the first time, I'm giving God my heart and my mind. Would you raise your hands? I'll give you three seconds. One, all over the room, Holy Spirit, give them the courage not to miss this moment. Two, I pray I see hands going up all over. This is you today. I'm giving my life back to God. And for the first time to God, real high right now, three. Keep it up for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to count the hands. That's all I want to do is count the hands. I see two. Keep it real high. Three, real high. Real high, real high, real high. Four. In the back here, five. In the back there, real high. Real high, real high. Real high, six. Real high, seven. Seven hands. Eight hands. Anybody else? Eight hands. Nine hands I see in the front here. Awesome. Nine hands. Is anybody else? Real high. Ten hands. Uh, anybody else? So good. So good. I see ten. Anybody else? Awesome. I'm praying for those online right now. Just write heart right now. Oceans, do we ever get tired of this? Is it okay to take an extra two or three minutes to do this every week? I almost finished first service without doing this in the front row about lost their mind. Like, no, no, no. We've never done a service without giving people opportunity to give their life to God. And we've never had a service that someone didn't do it. That's pretty special. Ten people today. I believe there's five more people. Your heart's beating out of your chest right now. You're like, oh, I don't want I don't want to be embarrassed. I'm not gonna be embarrassed. You're gonna be celebrated. I'm not, I'm not ready yet. I gotta get my life together. No, you don't. You don't get your life together and then come to God. You come to God and He puts your life back together. The idea of you cleaning up to come to God is like it's like washing in the sink before you get in the shower. You don't do that. You just get in the shower and he takes care of the rest. I want everyone to close your eyes. Some of you are embarrassed. Well, I came with someone. They might think I'm weird. No, no. They're going to think it's awesome. If they're here today, they're open to this. Okay? So you're not going to be embarrassed. You're not going to be made fun of. And by the way, you don't have to get it together to come to God. You come to God in brokenness sometimes. And he begins to put you back together. There's five people that you didn't raise your hand. But your heart is literally pounding. You're like, I might have a heart attack if I don't respond. I'm telling you, this is your moment. Your hands are sweating right now. You feel like I'm talking to you. I'm, I am, but really more than me, God's talking to you. And some of you are like, well, I'll do it later. Why would you prolong, postpone the most important decision with your life? Let me say it another way. Why would you gamble and live another week without God at the helm of your life? We, we need God. We need Him. So today, five more hands. I'll give, you, I'll give you three seconds. You can start. Eyes closed. Just close your eyes. I'm not embarrassing anybody. I just want to see five more hands go up because I know when God speaks to me. Just five more. Eyes closed. Eyes closed. Don't look at me, please. Just eyes closed for a second. You say, Mark, I was supposed to raise my hand, but I didn't. I'm going to raise it this time. I'll give you three seconds. Go ahead and start popping your hands up right now. There's one. There's two. There's three. Real high, real high. There's real high, real high. There's three. I see three hands. 
Real hot, real hot, real hot, real hot, real hot, real hot, real hot. There's four hands. Real high, real hot. I see four, real high. No one's looking, no one's looking. No one's looking, no one's looking, no one's looking. I'm not sure I counted them twice or not. I, I'm pretty sure there's five I see. I might have counted someone twice. Now there's one more. Close your eyes. One more. Just one more. Just one more. I need to do this today. I need to get right with God today. You trying to peer pressure me? If there was ever a good peer pressure in the world, this would be it. I am. I'm trying to encourage you to give your heart to God. Because unlike the other things you get peer pressure to do, you will never regret this one. You didn't raise your hand, but you're supposed to. There's one more. Would you just raise it real high? Everyone close your eyes. Just one more. You didn't raise your hand yet. One more. I'll wait for you. Just give you a second. I'll give you three seconds. One. Eyes closed, please. Two. They raise it? Yeah, there's one right there. Thank you, Thank you sir. All right. Here we go. All right. Pray this prayer, Oceans. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I invite you today into my life I want to know you so I can love you I want to know how much you love me so I can give you all of my love I want to know you live for you serve you from this day forward make me your servant your son your friend I declare Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him a five-second hand clap. That's awesome today. Big shout, big shout. Hey. Hey, before I hand this off, grab a seat real fast. If you're one of those 15 today, there was a lot for service in San Juan. Uh, I would highly, highly encourage you. If you were there, you raised your hands today, you prayed that prayer, I would highly recommend to go get some food, and to go get your bathing suit and to drive to Corona Del Mar at 3 p.m. and let us baptize you. You don't need your whole family there. If they can come, praise God. If not, we'll videotape it. We'll send it to them. In the Bible, they got they believed and they were baptized. Immediately. They believed, they were baptized. They believed, baptized. It wasn't like a six-month process, a six-year process. They believed and they were baptized. And today, I, don't, I can't think of a better day to get baptized than the day you raised your hand in church. So I would love it if we had at least the 25 or 30 that raised their hands today. If you're watching online, drive to Corona Del Mar, 3 p.m. today. We are going to do a beach baptism, and it's going to be at Pirates Cove. So park there, walk over the hill. If you're older, we'll have some young people that will walk you down. And I'm telling you, let's, I want you, please, I don't ask you to do this very often, but I'm asking you to make plans at 3 o'clock. There's something about our family coming together. Even if you're not getting baptized, to cheer on what God's doing in our church. Baptism, historically in California, has been the starter firewood of revival. And so I think we can get 100 people baptized tonight, 50, 100 people, 200 people baptized tonight, that will be the, that'll be the firewood that lights revival in our region. Y'all ready to go? I love you so much. Don't miss next week. We'll see you at the beach. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.